what we do here is go back, 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 back. Yeah, good mate. Thanks for having me. Who went the hardest in the, the celebrations? I can't say myself, can I? Uh, <laughs> if- you sort of almost got to tell yourself that you're a, you're a big game player or a mm. big finals player. So somehow I thought, well, just because I play well as a 13 year old, I have to play well in the grand final. Me and, me and Cogs are um, a couple of good WA boys and we, we do get a bit affectionate with each other, always giving each other kisses and stuff. <laughs> nah, not really, just, you know, a manly kiss yeah. on the cheek every now and then. Welcome back to the Bray and Ethan podcast, episode 53. My name's Bray Loveridge. Across from me is Ethan Roth as normal. And Ethan, uh, we've been a bit up and down lately uh, with the potty. Availability has been a bit of an issue for both of us yeah, over the last couple of weeks, but we've finally got ourselves a bit of a treat today. Yeah, we do. Look, we, do, we usually do an intro on our guests. This man hardly needs one, uh, but we'll set the scene for anyone who has been living under a rock for the last oh, decade and a half. 248 games for the, across the Freo Dockers and the Collingwood Football Clubs. Fremantle Life member, won a lead, leading goal kicker award, and uh, has played in two grand finals, if you don't mind. It's the one and only Chris May. Chris, welcome. Thanks for joining us. No worries, boys. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to have you on. So, uh, as people would know, we uh, tend to sort of target a lot of ex-AFL players, especially ones that have you know, come back to the Waffle, come back to Perth, which you've done. So we've had on you, our eye on you for a while. Before we uh, unpack your journey, how's things been back? Um, here since you returned to Perth? Yeah, once we made the decision to come home, uh, we were pretty happy with the fact that we could get back to seeing family. I think for both of us, myself and my wife, Britt, we hadn't really seen um, you know, our families and I think that was the biggest drive to get home was to be able to see family a bit more and we ended up moving in just down the road from Britt's folks' place, um, which has been really nice to have that support there whilst I'm I'm working and doing stuff within the football circle still. So, yeah, to have someone there helping her with the kids, um, I suppose, gives me a bit of relief um, that someone's there for her. And, and then, um, yeah, just to, I suppose, get back into the groove of things, really. It's mm. it's being back in Perth was um, feels like we didn't really go to Melbourne, but yet we were there for five years. So yeah, it's, it's going uh, so fast. Yeah, our Melbourne journey was crazy. Um, yeah. That was one that we look back on now still and... Um, everything that happened in our lives from kids, marriage uh, to grand finals to honeymoons and another kid is, um, yeah, it's pretty unreal. Yeah, and all the pandemic in the middle of it as well. Exactly, and add on that and as well. Melbourne so. copped the most of it as well. But, of course, take it back to where it all started for you uh, with footy. The Belmont Bombers and then the Perth Demons. Take us back to that period uh, where you missed out in, on the draft in your draft year but then ended up being... Pick 40 in the 2007 draft. Yeah, played all my junior footy at the Belmont Footy Club, so there's a lot of love still there. Um, one of my best mates, Joel Cooper's been there. He's definitely part of the furniture. He's been there for that long. He would have easily played over 250 games now for the club. Yeah. He's won flags there. He's a champion there, and he's tried his absolute hardest every year knowing I'm getting closer and closer to the end of my AFL career to try to get me back there. Um, and he just couldn't quite sway me uh, enough. Uh, he even said, look, he'll throw up the captaincy. Um, <laughs> but, look, I yeah, I, I love the club, and I when I was back at Freo, I used to always get back there as much as I could to try and help out with yeah. building their, I suppose, their Colts program or being there for clinics that would help, you know, entertain the idea of heaps of kids coming along to try and get more kids to the club. I think they did... 
um, have done a terrific job in getting the club back to some of its strength. But as you know, with suburban footy clubs, they fluctuate depending on the amount of people that they can get there. So um, a lot of good mates still play there, a lot of love for Belmont. And then, um, yeah, I suppose back when we decided to take different paths, all the boys I grew up with went to Belmont and continued playing there from juniors and I decided to challenge myself a little bit more and put myself in the unknown area and and play Colts footy and um, at the time I was playing Colts footy and cricket and um, just put the body bit under a bit too much stress and came down with an injury and that put me out for most of my first Colts year Um, and then yeah second Colts year came back after having a year off cricket and was able to get through play some really good football and Colts and and league that year and then yeah get picked up by Freo before we move on that guy asked Joel is it yeah, cool. yeah, yeah we've, got, we've got a plenty about, of questions from him. We've yeah. done a little bit of uh, connecting, I guess yeah. you could say. So, but I've just quickly picked our one here on the topic of the Belmont. When is Chris going to make a, a good uh, make a good of his promise of winning a flag with Joel Cooper at the Belmont Bombers? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he really needs to persuade my wife, I reckon. I worked that hard on uh, on Brit to, to probably get back to Belmont. Um you know the waffle commitments is um, it's it's pretty ruthless. It's you know tough, you're yeah. four, four nights a week pretty yeah. much away from your family plus working during the day and um, you know to be able to give back to that club and I suppose try and help the club be um, or succeed and have some success has been you know really challenging this year with the injuries that we get and COVID yeah. and I suppose the lack of personnel. Um, at just the wrong times, um, you know, even myself on the weekend just getting the flu and just knock me dead and yeah. recovering from that a little bit still. So, yeah, it's uh, to try and get back to Belmont. Um, look, it depends. I, I, I feel sorry for him because I did tell him I was going to do it one day. Yeah. Plenty of time. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah look, never say never, but... The leg, it doesn't matter how old the legs are. In yeah, the, I could uh, stand in the footy. cage. I could stand in the cage in a couple of years yeah. maybe. Um, I need the kids to get a bit older and they want to go down and play for Belmont Footy Club yeah, and then I can s- slide myself in there and yeah. yeah, try and play out of the square and he can play at St. Arfold. Yeah. So. Now, uh, you pressed for the Dockers in 2008, your first year on the list, and then you made your AFL debut not too long after that. How do you look back at, uh, I suppose, finding your feet in your first few years as an AFL player? Yeah, well, I was fortunate in my first year. We... Um, being picked up by Freire was pretty surreal and then getting down there to meet some of the players that I grew up idolising in Peter Bell and, and Matthew Pavlich and stuff. So to be able to then first, I suppose, see myself as a, a teammate of theirs um, was, yeah, it was pretty surreal. And then the real work started. You had to try and kind of uh, put your best foot forward and I was still kind of battling a bit of that injury to get right. Um and I think that, yeah, from my experience at league footy at Perth, I changed a little bit of the way I played. And and then, yeah, my first year of, of footy at Freer, once I got the opportunity, I, you kind of go from junior footy being like one of the best players in your team, going mm. up through that, that, um, in that trajectory, and you get to senior footy and you still feel like you, you're one of the best and yeah. one of the best players prospects at the club and then you hit AFL and you soon realise we are on the pecking order yeah. um, and I thought look I really need to change my game how can I create an identity for myself um, and I just thought you know, can I be the this pressure forward created manic pressure 
help my teammates out by turning the ball over and then if I get an opportunity to put some on the scoreboard, then great. But still try and let my strength shine. And, yeah, look, if I could go back and teach my or jump into my younger self, um, there'd be a lot of things that I'd change um, when I first started playing. No doubt. Um, well, the first... Uh, sorry, the year after you win Freo's leading goal kicker... Of, well, not a, there's no award for... A club, is there? I think there is. Oh, yeah. there is? Okay. So well, you, so you, you get kind of, I think, think recognised yeah, at okay. the best yeah. and fairest night. But okay. so you get... that year was a bit of a, um, we won't count that. That was, yeah. a, you know, for right, 25, well... 25 snags to win a goal kicking, I think right. it was. Well, it's... leading goal kicker winner, we'll say. Yeah. Uh, and then Ross Lyon comes on board the year after. How did Ross influence you guys? Because, yes, you guys were winning, but everything else just seemed to, seemed to lift, and especially the pressure. Yeah, I think... It's weird. Like you, you get a part of really good squads or really good teams at times. And I remember being in 2010 with Mark Harvey and Chris Scott, and Chris Scott was really good um, the way he went about it. And obviously, look at his career now. It's mm. as a coach, it's um, incredible. Um, every year, just like one final series, or yeah, something. Every, every year along around the mark, yeah. um, and that's pretty special to do something like that. And he, I really loved working with him as a player in 2010. I think he was really big part of why we had that success yeah um and then in 11 obviously he left and won the flag that year um, people, with, i don't reckon a lot of people would know that he actually was at Freo. yeah yeah like it's, that's, a, that's yeah. actually the first that i heard of it i never knew that either. yeah so and then he yeah goes to geelong and um wins a flag um and you know that's um that's pretty special at that time. So yeah. you get these good groups that come along at certain parts of the time. And I reckon, I really remember at the end of 2011, all that stuff obviously unfolded with Mark Harvey and the club. And yeah. next minute we've got Ross the boss that's coming on board. And <laughs> Ross the boss. No one knows kind of um, what's going to come of it. And I remember being there um, at the club at, and I knew he was there. So I thought, you know, I've got to go up and introduce myself. Yeah. You know, I, was, I loved Mark Harvey because he gave me an opportunity to live my dream. Um, he seemed to like the way I go about it and played me. So that nervousness, like, is the coach going to like you? Um, so I went straight up and, yeah, he seemed to kind of know a little bit about me, which was which was pretty cool and, um, and just introduced myself. And then I remember just him, him delivering his program and I think for from the, that time the group really needed something like that and yeah. it was pretty ruthless obviously with the stories with Pav that was just talked about um, on Pav's Hall of Fame um, you know how he delivered things at half time yeah. or during meetings and sending Sonny Walters back to the waffle but it was a group that needed a bit of a kick up the butt and yeah. um, you know we were able to get the best out of ourselves and yeah that through that period of 12 to um, 15 I uh, you know, we definitely should have, obviously we got to one, we should have definitely won one. Um, yeah. But at the wrong time, we fell over with soldiers, especially in 15, and um, yeah, just poor error, judgment in other areas, and yeah, unfortunately couldn't get one done. Yeah. Well, flag mantle, it almost occurred in 2013. <laughs> unfortunately, you just fell short. Um, it was an unbelievable, I guess, 12, 13 era for you. You were, you know, seen as the most accurate set shot for goal in the AFL and the stats do back that up, not just making that up. Uh, was it like routine, confidence? What do you put that down to? And I guess, what are your memories of that grand final and the final series as a whole? Yeah, 2011, I, I think it was there, like you said, 25, 27 or something. I was kicking at 
um, roughly around that. And it wasn't good enough. Like, you know, as a forward, you've got to build the trust within the teammates that when they kick you the ball, that you're going to finish off the hard work. So went away at the end of that year, worked with Kim Mercer, our sports psych at the time, and um, did a lot of work on mental imagery, mindfulness, um, getting a routine so that when I did did get the opportunity, I knew exactly what I was going to do could take away the white noise um, from the other players and the crowd and just focus in on the process um, and let the outcome be whatever it is. And, yeah, it got to a point after the, I think, the Port Adelaide game at home and I was, um, I'd kicked three that day and I was, I went to 10 straight and Summer come over and told me and it came a bit more, I suppose, known then that I wasn't missing. Um yeah. But I was able to just keep doing the routine and just knocking over the outcome. I suppose I bluffed a bit because I would get a lot of my shots from like 10, 15 out and you'd hope to kick them from there. But, um, yeah, I suppose I just tried to build trust within my teammates that I'd finish off the hard work and loved being able to do that, which was good. And then from there, you know, the rest of the boys doing their job, playing their role and we're able to find our way that I think through 12 during the 12 season, I reckon there was one point where we played Kangaroos at Marvel uh, and we beat them, I think ran over them late in the game. We were pretty pretty comfortable throughout it, but we ran over them late pretty strong and Matty DeBoer's like jumped on us and at one point it was like me, Sonny, Ballers, Matty DeBoer and a couple other young boys. I think Subes might have been yeah. in there and Matty's jumped on us screaming like how, like, you know, how good is this? You know, we're pretty, like, how young are we? Like, yeah. we're, and we're we're getting it done, we're delivering. And I think it was just because, yeah, Ross's system was, you know, know your role, play your role and get it done yeah. and didn't matter who was in there doing it. So we kind of got that belief at that point, like, yeah, we're good enough um, and we can do it no matter where we play. And then, yeah, we were able to knock over Geelong at the MCG and... You know, it was like 52 to 2 at one point. Mm, yeah. and we knew, kicked 6. We knew they were going to come back, and they did one by like 19 points, um, but comfortably. And then, yeah, Adelaide, we, you know, came out of the blocks again, smashed them, and like just towards the end, after that third quarter, they kind of clawed their way back, and big text, I think, kicked five, and they found a way to get over the line. But we knew after that game, like, we had real big belief, and, yeah, the next year we were able to make it the whole way. Yeah, that no. game against Geelong and Geelong is going to stand out yeah. forever. Probably, you could say, Freo's best win in 2013, the qualifying final in the history. Definitely be up there. Yeah, it's definitely one of the best wins the club's ever had, just given the circumstances. Yeah. Sent down to the category, they've ne- category they've never lost. Um, you know, and the boys, yeah, just yeah, we've steeled ourselves and got it done, and that yeah. was an amazing. Normally, that bus ride's a pain in the backside, but that was one of the best <laughs> bus rides back to the Would airport we've ever had. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the end of 2016 comes and you sign with the Pies as an unrestricted free agent. How did this all come about? Because you're a Perth boy and some might have thought uh, he's leaving Freo uh, because he, they weren't doing too well at the time. But talk us through how that initial interest came about and going into signing a four-year deal. Yeah, well, that at the time, obviously, we had a, we had a pretty poor year. Yeah. We went from 2015 minor to a 9-0 and 0 start yeah. and minor premiers to then 2016, a 0-10 start. Yeah. Um, and everything seemed to... Everything that w- could go bad went bad. Yeah. Um, and then once that happens in the club with the spot fires, that just happen everywhere and everyone disgruntled and unhappy, 
don't mean to sound or oh, I probably shouldn't say, but like if it feels, it looks like from a perspective on the outside, like that's what's happening at Kangaroos right now. Yeah. Like it just doesn't look happy, especially one of your young stars is doing the stuff he's doing yeah. and it just doesn't look like it's a happy place. And yeah. I suppose they're working through their issues, but that type of look we were having as a club and yeah. you could see that from, you know, a social media um, aspect to a media aspect, you know, people within the four walls, obviously leaks were coming out. So it was just not a happy place. And that still yet had nothing to do with my decision. Like I've been in at the club before when we've been through bad yeah. times and we found a way to get through. But I'd met my partner at the time um, and she, for her to live her dream, it had to be, I suppose, in Melbourne. Um and that was one point where I was like, all right, well, I'll, I'll be open to Melbourne then if the opportunity comes, um, depending on what Freo want to do. And she was happy with that. She was, I think, the fact that I could see her, I suppose, in our future and um, I just didn't push her aside. I think that um, that helped. And, and then, you know, speaking to my manager, like, what's the best offer out there for me and what are the club doing? And I think the club had kind of stalled with the talks with my manager and me and when that happened it was like well geez I better find out what's out there as well yeah. um so then we yeah just I let him do his job and I just tried to focus on playing footy and felt like even though that year I had a pretty good year finished sixth in the BNF and um did what I had to do and then yeah once the end of the season came I kind of knew that the club had made their mind up that they were happy for me to leave and um I remember after the last game against um Pav I was when we were walking off and he was getting chaired off, I was pretty emotional knowing that that was probably my last game with the club and yeah. um, and the great man's getting chaired off his last game and and I was moving on. So, um, yeah, we made the decision once we'd once that game was done to fly to Melbourne, meet with Collingwood and, um, yeah, as obviously pretty publicly stated, I, I couldn't really let that offer go and it was probably best for me and my partner at the time and made the move. Yeah, and the first year didn't end up how you would have hoped at Collingwood. That must have been really tough to deal with. And um, what was your relationship like with Bucks? Because there was a bit going on. Uh, your dad calling him out on social media. Yeah, well, I obviously flew over there, met with Bucks and the whole board and um, everyone that had to be involved and discussed why they wanted me to come over and be a, um, a leader of the forward line and... Um, you know, X, Y, Z, and I I literally walked out of there going, geez, I need to be at this place. I looked at the list and I thought, this is a great list. Like, we could yeah. we could really push finals and have a crack at the, the ultimate. And I really was chasing that still and that feeling and wanting to be a part of a successful club. And, you know, to play for Collingwood was pretty special within itself. So um, I was really excited about the move. And then, yeah, get over there, first pre-season, gone really well. And then we got into practice games and playing as a forward you're kind of trying to still figure out the team and the ins and outs and how people move and what they kick and um so I had a couple of quiet games and then yeah played a really strong last pracky game against Richmond um and then yeah wasn't selected for the first game so I was pretty flat with that but yeah with illness to Aishi I was able to come up and play my first game for the club and then yeah lost to Bulldogs and Richmond just and then Um, and then beat Sydney by point and got dropped after that game. Um, had a quiet one, but we won. And yeah, I remember speaking to Bucks through that week. I knew Jamie Elliott was coming back, and um, 
I just said, look, you know, I, I want to do whatever's right for the club and, and whatever's right for the boys. And if that means have to miss this week and play VFL, that's fine. But, yeah. you know, I'm keen to, you know, be successful at this club and hopefully play finals footy and win a flag. And unfortunately, um, after that game, I didn't really, yeah, well, I didn't come back for us the year. I was stuck in the VFL and um, absolutely copying abuse from the crowd regular yeah. on a regular basis and uh, enjoying the social media and media and the barrage of it all and to the point where it um, put me in a bad place. But, yeah, once I was able to get to the end of that year and put a reset button in, um, myself, my wife, made a decision, no holidays, focused on training, got a strength and conditioning coach and a running coach and... Gave myself best opportunity, put myself in really good shape, and yeah. hopefully play next year. And yeah, once I got back in, didn't look back. Yeah, no doubt. Well, 2018, the fairy tale was pretty close to being complete, but you did fall short again. Such a different game to 2013, where you get the early break and it's a arm wrestle from then on end. But how does losing a second decider sit with you? And what were the emotions when, or what are the emotions when someone brings it up? In a uh, I, haven't, I haven't watched either games yet. I haven't watched either. I haven't watched 13 Never. or um, 18. 18. And I barely, when I was, uh, I've barely watched really any of the grand finals. Um, they've always been on the back in the background. Like I've never really. So you're someone that them. gets real like jealous. Yeah. When you're not playing in that grand, in the grand final, so you don't 100%. even care. I've got no interest it. in the yeah, grand right. final. I don't want to be a part. I remember at 15 grand final, we went to the royal show. <laughs> me and my partner or my wife yeah we went straight to the royal show yeah, we were right. just like we're gonna do this today because we don't want to know what the hell's going on um and funny enough it was on every screen at the royal yeah, show pretty I was much gonna say, they'd probably play anyway um yeah. i was, yeah i i it's still it's like it sucks now yeah it's yeah. you know that's a game we should have won he's a west um, coast man by the way <laughs> that's all right yeah. it's i deal with all the kids at school that ask yeah. me every day you know how do you feel after that game well how do you what do you think you yeah. know, Google my name and you'll see me bawling my eyes out. It's the first picture. That's how yeah. I feel. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it sucked. It, not only because it was West Coast, we seemed to have a rivalry for my whole career with them. Um, but they would just, yeah, they, like you said, they just, it was an arm wrestle and I think they learn a lot from 15. Um, yeah. When they got the opportunity to be back there again, they didn't panic once we'd put the first five on the board. They just yeah. clawed at it, got two in the first. And they're only three goals behind, and then they were just able to, you know, we'd get one, they'd get an answer straight back. We'd get one, yeah. they'd get an answer straight back. They'd get one, you know, then get another, and then it's close enough, and then yeah. it's kind of draw. Then we'd get two, they'd get back two, and then yeah, right at the end, you know, it's pretty flattening that mm, Ruzzy yeah. got blocked off the ball, which was disappointing. Yeah, <laughs> controversial. Yeah, controversial. <laughs> but um, uh, that happened, and then yeah, I. I, I was wrecked after that game. I gave everything. I was pretty heartbroken because yeah. I know how hard it is to get there. I think what hurt even more as well is the next year losing the prelim because I thought yeah. we were we were Monty's to push Richmond a bit more than GWS did, but I, th I felt like we could have got them or had their number at the time, but then didn't get it again. And that moment I was like, geez, I'm probably never going to get another chance now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... It was a bizarre way last year to finish your career in front of no fans at the MCG. When you were getting shared off, uh, was there any thought of, you know, going around for another year, play two more games and reach game 250? No, I know a few players that have done that and they probably deserved it given the service they gave to the club. But, you know, I didn't want to be, even though the club's 
Collingwood's going amazing this year, speaking to all the boys, how happy they are at the club and obviously seeing Bruzzy's comments, you know, one big family. But I didn't want to just make up the numbers and give them the opportunity for younger players to come in. Like, look at Nathan Murphy right now. Like, I'm loving his game, you know, and the way, and he's, go, the way he's going about it. And if I was still there this year, you know, I might have maybe held him out like I maybe did the year before. And I suppose for me, like, yeah, was my heart and everything in it? Did I think we're in another premiership window? Um, that was all going through my head. And then we had some circumstances that were out of our control, that we're out of lease. Um, and we didn't want to sign another lease unless I knew I was going to get another deal. And the club couldn't commit um, until the end of the draft, really. So that made my decision pretty easy. And I was yeah. content with it. I was like, you know, I can't sign another lease. Um, and then, you know, my wife and kids are back in Perth because it was that hard to get back to Perth at the time. We had to send through about a dozen documents. So, you know, there's a lot of things out of our control that we just needed an answer and they couldn't give one. And we're happy to move on. So yeah, uh, it did suck though, not having my family, yeah. some fans there that have been there through the whole journey. Yeah. Um, and then to even just sit with the boys after and probably go have a beer somewhere and some dinner, you know, we had a curfew at the time, nine o'clock. So yeah. a lot of things that I look back and, and thoroughly not like, but then I look back at the same situation and Shannon Hearn played his 300th in front of no crowd and, yeah. you know, got done and, had to then fly home straight yeah. after and yeah. stuff like that. So it's, you know, everyone went through the same kind of situation. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head. I don't think anyone, we've actually asked anyone what it's like playing in those stadiums with zero fans. What it's, is it like? Is it just it's horrendous. weird? It's, it's, I just, it's, yeah, it's definitely weird. Feels like a training It drill. does sometimes feel like a training run. It feels yeah. a bit like you're not that serious, but it just wasn't fun. Because yeah. there was no atmosphere, there was no spectators, and yeah. you know some, that's a huge part of the game. You know, it's you're playing just against the opposition team in front of no one, and you can hear absolutely everything from anyone. And yeah, it wasn't enjoyable. I think early on, like we could handle it pretty well, and then I think just the because I think it was different, and then yeah, once it became another game and another game, I think that's when it started to just wear thin on people. So yeah. to see what the AFL have done um, and get you know crowds back and where yeah. it's all at and how they've been able to respond to the situation has been pretty good too. Yeah, uh, just a couple more things before we get into your coaching and your teaching, which we know you're incredibly passionate about. One of the things we both noticed um, during your career at both clubs is your impact in the community, um, particularly with the Starlight Foundation. Talk us through that. I've been a sale ambassador for 13 years now, I think. So um, my first year at the club, I noticed we uh, had a partnership with Starlight. And then my second year, I was like, I really want to be be involved. Um, I spent a lot of time at the PMH hospital as a kid with a cleft lip. So I wanted to give back to all the families and the kids there that were sick. as I knew that they go through some pretty tough times and and then just got to build some really amazing relationships over the journey. Um, yeah. My theory is of like if I can go in there for thirty minutes to an hour and give the kids plenty to laugh at, um, that by the time I leave, hopefully that laugh and stories carry on for the next day or two or week, that yeah. they forget about why they're there and what they're doing. And yeah. but the actual foundation itself, um, it's incredible. The what the Starlight captains do to help the kids get through the day and the actual room that they have um, is pretty special. So I love being a part of it and. Um, since being out of footy, they've still wanted to have me, which has been nice. And yeah. um, I was disappointed I couldn't be there for the the um, Starlight game this year as I was planning to be. But um, 
yeah, footy took part of it again or came in the way of that again. Yeah, well, not much people would actually know that you're vegan. What made you become vegan and how does it affect you as an athlete? Well, I'd be surprised if people didn't know because that's right. been a, a massive talk of it. Talking point. For I don't think I knew. Time. I don't think I knew. Until Maybe because it's Melbourne. Uh, yeah, in yeah. Melbourne, it was talked about a fair bit. So uh, we became plant based um, back in toward the end of 2016, yeah, going yeah. 2017. So um, at the time, it was like I need what's a one percent that could help me get better. Um, I recovered really bad after games and through the week was pretty sore. So yeah. we looked in some avenues like that and then found like. Yeah, what I was consuming probably contributed to why I was feeling that way. So we changed our diet um, and then didn't really look back. And then a lot of the other stuff, like the ethical bit to the animals and, you know, we love animals. Yeah. So then why put them through that pain if you don't yeah. need to? And sustainability of where we're at and climate change and then so on, so on, yeah. so on. And more documentaries and more information and more places now becoming plant-based and more options. Yeah. So I think it's the way of going forward. Um, definitely. So that was partially why we did it, and yeah, both of us um, and our well, and my uh, partner's family have never felt better. Yeah. Weight stays the same, doesn't fluctuate as much, um, and we feel great. So yeah. Awesome. Last one before we hurry through the Q and A's. Um, so obviously coming back to when you returned to WA, was there any truth to actually coming back to Frio, either in a playing or coaching capacity, and um? second part of that what does that sort of director of footy role at Trinity look like now and how are you sort of tying that into your waffle commitments yeah well when I was coming back I was pretty adamant well, I was pretty keen to get a coaching job at either West Coast or Frio yeah. um, so I'd kind of met with both of them speaking about what possibilities may I suppose come up and I think at the time they'd both gone through a bit of a shift in their senior coaching roles and didn't really um, make any changes in their development department so I all the work that I did in my footy career, I did everything that I had to do from a level three perspective to AFL list management, the whole lot to get myself ready. Yeah. Um, so I, the only thing I have, I think, left is like a level four, which you have to do as a senior assistant, I believe, right. before you go to be a senior coach. Um, so I'd done everything I had to do. Um, and then, yeah, met with both clubs and thought, you know, hopefully the opportunity is going to be there and it didn't really come up. So I was... Um, at the time, pretty disappointed, but I always had part of my aspirations is continue coaching the AFL, um, whether it's this year, next year. Um, you know, I'll put my hand up again if an opportunity comes. And then to either push to be a senior coach or to be in a, you know, in a school being a teacher and then running a football program. So um, I was fortunate that the Perth Footy Club reached out and then from there I was able to branch out to Trinity um, and then uh, once I got the opportunity to work there, then director of footy role came up and I kind of jumped to that and yeah. interviewed for that. So, yeah, nearly finished my teaching degree. Hopefully have that done by, you know, middle to end of next year and, and then hopefully slot into a teaching role being um, somewhere or um, and then, yeah, being director of footy and and then, yeah, if a coaching opportunity pops up, then just take that on as well. Yeah. So. Obviously, got a strong passion for footy yeah. still. No, it's pretty. It's some, yeah, it's elite what you're doing with, um, you know, being able to I guess connect with young people and because um, I know like a lot of ex AFL players, um, you know, they're so. I I know you're busy, but you're 
you know, doing, you're giving back sort of thing. So, like, a lot of ex-players probably don't do that as much as you've done. So, yeah, it's, I pretty, think it's a credit to you. The thing, thing for me, though, is, like, being at Perth Footy Club, it still keeps me, I suppose, um, in the frame to continue chasing being a coach and doing a lot of work there with um, some of their Colts players and senior players, a lot of one-on-one stuff, and then trying yeah. to help with the implementing some really good, I suppose, strategies and plans, um, you know, around the place, haven't had been able to have too much of impact on field just yet. Haven't really. Um, once that decision was made, I'm trying to get chase my tail, get my body right. Yeah, it was fracture. a pretty late signing, was it not? Yeah. Then once we decided I was going to go, had a few few weeks to get the body right. I had my yeah. back injury that I did Christmas, and then round one fracture my face. That's another four yeah. or five weeks, and then get the flu, missed last week. So it just feels like I'm chasing my tail a fair bit, but. Um, I'm hoping that, yeah, for the rest of the year, I can continue to hopefully implement some good strategies, some good learnings for years to come that, you know, the club can take forth and um, be able to continue to improve. And then working with Trinity, doing the same thing, trying to implement a different program that works from the sevens up. And, you know, the boys this year got their first win in a couple of years, but have then soon realised, you know, where the actual, they stand once, uh, I suppose, where they come uh, in a pecking order to the really good schools. So yeah. a lot of learnings there that will reflect on um, post the season um, and then try and continue to build a really strong program that can soon start to challenge. Sure. Uh, Instagram Q&A time, Ethan. Yeah, we've got a... Uh, at Bray make, and Ethan. Yeah, make sure it's a pretty quick fire one. Yeah. Obviously, there was heaps, so we'll do as many as we can. But Plenty out there. But uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and TikTok, you can find us. But... Uh, First one off from Caleb, three votes. Would you rather lay 10 tackles or kick 10 goals? I think that one's supposed to be five goals, but either yeah, way. Well, 10, yeah, I was about to say 10 goals. Yeah. Um, look, back in the day, younger self, my younger self said, ah, oh, 10 tackles, whatever, for the team. you know. And I think I did that in my 100th interview. I said I'd rather lay 10 <laughs> tackles for the team. And I, ended up laying, I think I laid 11 that day. Nice. Um, but I'd rather kick 10 goals. Yeah. I've never kicked 10 goals in a game. Yeah. Jeez, I'd rather kick five, to be honest. Yeah. These days, that hard to kick a snag. Yeah, a, bag. So. a bag is five, I'll take absolutely. 10. Uh, Luke of Inning, have you still got the Sharon stamped on your face from the 2018 qualifier? Yeah, at, uh, <laughs> at Optus. That was a, look, it was a hard deck. You know, we chose to bat first and uh, <laughs> he hit halfway down the wicket and I just didn't quite pick it up quick enough and... Brody Grundy's bowled an absolute perler and it's um, <laughs> smacked me in the chops. Uh but who hasn't had a Falcon these days? Yeah, that's exactly. just the, that's the, the beauty of our sport. Uh, Logan Young, 14. How's your fantasy team going? Look, that's the only thing I'm actually into this year. Really? I've never played fantasy before, and um, I don't really support anyone anymore. Like, obviously, yeah. I love what Freo and Collingwood do, and I support the boys still. Um, but whether they win or lose, I suppose that it's not. Um, it doesn't hurt me as much as it as yeah. it used to. And yeah. Like, I got to enjoy taking my daughter to our first game together at uh, when it was Freo Collingwood. So oh, yeah, nice. um, it was easy to sit on the fence and just cheer for whoever was going well at the time. <laughs> but um, it was good to see the boys get it done. Um, and she obviously only knows Collingwood, so she's yeah. cheer- cheering on the magpies. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, I've enjoyed it. It's a bit of fun. You know, it keeps you involved in the games and who's doing what. And I suppose when you uh, when I look at it, we've got a little competition at the Trinity Football um, uh, at the uh, Trinity there amongst all the footy boys and stuff and um, part of the Aboriginal group and uh, I'm sitting about six I think on the ladder so I'm trying to get my way up there yeah, but yeah. Um, 
yeah, I've got really no idea what's going on. I just trade players in and out without even thinking. So, <laughs> uh, Mr. Eighteen, someone you reckon could potentially get drafted this year from Trinity College? From Trinity College, uh, we've had two boys get in the states, um, which was good uh, with Zaves and Willikek, which is um, which was nice. But I don't think there's going to be. A standout. Bows are standout. Yeah, it yeah. would have to be a prospect of what the scouts have been looking at. Um, but I'm new to the PSA system as well. Like, you know, what are they looking at? Um, I think for us and, and for Scotty Moore, we're just trying to deliver a really good program that lets their strength shine and hopefully they can, um, yeah, catch an eye. We've had a few catch the state eye and then they play state footy and then get yeah. drafted. So I think in the years to come, we'll definitely have a lot more. Yeah, uh, first of two from Matty Arrowsmith here. First one, thoughts on Mason Cox, and he was very happy he after the Monday's Cox. game. <laughs> I love, I love, love Coxie. Yeah, uh, when he gets that head bobbling, yeah. then you know he's on. And um, I think he's been, uh, he's had his own journey of late. And um, you know, I messaged him after the game and just said it's really good to see you back, enjoying your yeah. footy, mate. So keep it going and um, and keep enjoying it. Second one. <laughs> Do you want a basketball game next Tuesday at six fifteen PM? Basketball. You definitely it's a good don't team, that. I know I've been playing. Definitely a couple of games do not them. want me on your team. <laughs> and all the boys at the pies, they would be absolutely <laughs> laughing if they knew that question was asked. I am uh Yeah, I don't know how to put it, but I am that bad that you'd you I'd be there good for as a uh, inspirational kind of um cheer you on from yeah. the bench. But you don't want me on your team, otherwise you'll start losing. Well, Matt is a big Collingwood supporter, and he was ecstatic when he found out we had you on this week. And he yeah, has his own basketball team called the Swedes that happens on a Tuesday night yeah, at Vic, well, the Swedes, Park Leisure Centre. The Swedes might want to stay yeah. clear of me. Let's put it that way. Uh, Olin Gollant, I think it is. Chop Chop or Maney, what's your real na- nickname? Oh, I've had Chopper when I was through all of my junior footy, all the way up through to beginning at Perth, and then drafted uh, Maney. So I don't really mind either one. When people start screaming out Chopper, I my head will snap because I know that you are from my childhood in a way. Yep. Uh, WR Rob. <laughs> Rob Granger is <laughs> your mentor. <laughs> Why does he mean so much to you? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the great man. Um, yeah, he means a lot because in Melbourne during the bad times, uh, him and his wife, uh, Sarah... Um, they stuck by Brit and I and they were amazing support. So he knows how much he means to me and the fact that we have the time difference and uh, we live over here now, it uh, does make it tough to, to catch up as much as we want. But um, no, they are beautiful people. Um, so we're very lucky that we met them in our lives. Yep. Stefan71890, when are you coming back to teach C3 Science Year 9? Yeah, no, Trinity? I- I might be Trinity. It sounds like it. Um, I At Trinity, my role is to help out wherever I can, so I find myself in a lot of classes. Yep. Like a bit of a relief. Pretty well. A uh, bit, bit different because I yeah, support okay. all the teachers in there, yeah, so right. I'm there helping all the kids that need to stay on task. Yeah, yep. nice. Two more. Uh, Stephen Eppis, uh, after copping some big hits yourself, how did the co- uh, concussion protocols change over your career? Yeah, massively. You know, I remember early on you'd get hit, concussed, you know, stretch it off and then now able to run back on half, half the time. Um, yeah. To now where you miss two weeks, which I thoroughly enjoy. Um, I got pretty scared towards the end of my career with my concussion and that scared both my wife and myself. And, um, yeah, we, we did a lot of work with some specialists in that area and probably got a lot of reassurance that we're okay. But a lot of players now, 
that are retiring from concussion and yeah. um, and struggling from it. So, you know, what the AFL is doing with concussion protocols um, and the devices that are trying to get to help, you know, pick up on these things a lot quicker is really yeah. important. Um, and hopefully things like this and the rules that we do and what we're changing um, still promotes the game in a really positive way. Yeah, last one here from Cade Reid. Do you remember? He says, do you remember? But I'm assuming you remember hosting the main minutes on Docker TV. Yes, I remember hosting the main minutes. It's uh, some of my highlights. Uh, I still bring it up and watch it every now and then. Um, no, my wife used to actually make fun of me from it. Um, but uh, again, that's as a kid, you love doing those things. So um, I was always happy to be a part of whatever the club needed at the time. And yep. that was one of them. Nice, getting the uh, old socials out there. But we're going to have to skip the quiz yeah. this week just because we're all t- short of time today. You've got to head off to training. We've got to head off to work. But before we let you go, remember, Ethan, socials. Yeah. At Ray and Ethan, Instagram, TikTok, TikTok Twitter, Facebook, Facebook, I guess. Facebook, yeah. But TikTok is just Bray Ethan. Yeah. There's no end. As someone stole it from us before. But mainly... Uh, we know you've obviously got to get to training but and you've been very good with your time this afternoon coming straight from Trinity to here and straight to Laugh Lane later or well, now I guess but it's been great to have you on the show back in WA doing wonderful things and uh, well done on a great career and all the best to you and the family no worries thanks guys thanks for having me appreciate it uh, Ethan we'll be back hopefully next week yeah. uh, hopefully we'll be back weekly, weekly yeah. episodes from, from next week after a little two week hiatus uh, mm. with both of us having work experience for our studies so we'll be back next week back to normal here on the brand ethan podcast